Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Over the holidays, I began hearing Jeremiah 6.16. And I knew what it said by heart, but I went back and read it. And basically, the Lord is taking me back to my beginnings. And I want to take you with me. I want us to be so grounded and rooted in the Word of God that every answer we have to every temptation, every trial, every fear, every worry, every anxiety, every concern, anything that comes against us, it will be so innate and so immediate that the answer is what God says. Not what fear says, not what the news says, not what Job's friends say, but what the word of God says. Jeremiah 6.16 says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the eternal paths where the good old way is and then walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. The good old way is the word of God. He was from the beginning. He will be forevermore and he is today. But they said... We will not walk in it. And aren't we seeing that today? All over the world, we will not walk in it. We will not walk in it. But I say we will walk in it. We will do what God's word says. We will uphold the word of God until it absolutely impregnates every cell in our being. And that is where I am and that is where I am determined to be my original call. With Psalm 68, 11, and 12, that hasn't changed. But first, let me tell you why the word means so much to me. Those of you who know me know this very well. But I was 20 years old. I saw a Bible laying on the table in my then-fiancé's, now-husband of almost 49 years, apartment. He shared it with three other guys, and, you know, it was dusty. And so I picked it up. I was drawn to it, and I asked if I could bring it back to my apartment. And we lived in the same complex. No, we did not live together. That's something people think is okay today. God hasn't changed his mind, by the way. And so I took it back, and I somehow knew to start reading in Matthew. And I started reading in Matthew every single day before I closed my eyes. I read. I read a little bit every single day. But the Word of God has so much power, even when you don't know what you're doing. When you read it. It is life. And so on April 21st of 1974, I picked it up in February of 1974. And on April 21st of 1974, I remember the date because I'm an Aggie and that's called Aggie Muster. And I won't go into that, but um, phone rang in the middle of the night and it was my father saying that my grandfather who was the patriarch sweetest little man you've ever known in your life he was about this tall just had the brightest false teeth smile you've ever seen he was he was adorable he was the cutest man and he was a very smart man he had a fifth grade education but he came to this country on a boat and he knew the power of land of real estate 
And so he began to sell vegetables. He would get up at four o'clock every morning and he, will, he would go to El Mercado and he would buy vegetables. And he would deliver them to every restaurant that was then in San Antonio. And I'm just telling you, there weren't many. I was born in 1953. And um, I can remember going to every restaurant in San Antonio and <laughs> there, there were not very many. But he would go to all the restaurants and he would deliver produce. And he would save the money and with his earnings, he bought land. And he actually bought the land that the original USAA was on, not the one that's on, um, where is it? I-10. 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 But not that one, but the original USAA, which is on Broadway and um, that street, Hildebrand. You wouldn't think I'd lived here all my life, would you? <laughs> and so, but he had bought that land and he sold it to USAA and, and on and on and on. And so he became very wealthy very quickly. And he bought a home in Monta Vista, which is still there today. It's on East Linwood. And I spent my childhood, a lot of my childhood in that house. He even owned the property that we when we were Eagle's Nest on San Pedro, which is now Friendship Church, we sold to Friendship Church, bought that property. And he offered it to my parents. He said, build a house here. It's now Hill Country Village. And they said, oh, no, we don't want to live that far out of town. <laughs> my fifth grade education grandfather had vision. And so, can you imagine having a house right there now? And so it was quite a sad thing that he had suddenly passed. And we drove back to San Antonio. Randy drove me back, and I walked through the funeral dirge. My whole family was made a pathway when we walked in from A&M, and, and they were very, very broken. And I walked through the line, and my grandmother was sitting on a big leather chair in the den, and she was just staring. And I knelt down next to my grandmother, and I began to preach the Word of God. I didn't know I knew it, but I'd been reading life. I'd been reading life, and that life was written on my heart. And I've never stopped, not a day. Auntie, my Aunt Juliet, who was the only Christian in the family at the time, my grandfather, we found out at the funeral, three months before he passed, he was standing on the steps of a Catholic church, and he asked the priest, how can I know I will go to heaven? I, heard, I know this because the priest shared this at the funeral. And thank God this priest knew about Jesus Christ and told him about Jesus Christ. And so at the end of his life, my grandfather gave his heart to the Lord. But you know what? Doesn't matter. Jesus said the one who comes in at the end of the day gets the same reward. And so... So I, my grandma, my aunt, my auntie took me outside and she said, she called me Sandra. She goes, that, which that is my name, by the way. And she said, Sandra, what's happened to you? Have you been born again? <laughs> now, you think I'm strong? Aunt Juliet made me look like vegetable broth without salt. And I'm not exaggerating. Have you been born again? And I said, Auntie, I don't know what's happened to me. I just know that I've been reading the Bible. My whole life has changed. See, I was like that blind man. I don't know who healed me. I just know I was blind and now I see. 
And most of you know the rest. A few months later, I was watching some man on TV give the gospel, and he invited the audience, and thousands came forward, and the TV, we had three channels in those days, to come forward and give their heart to Christ. And that man was Billy Graham, and I did. I got on my knees in College Station, Texas, and married student housing, which they had the nerve to tear down, <laughs> and gave my heart vocally to Jesus and was baptized. If, you've, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus, now is the time. It's not hard. You just say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I invite you to live in my life and fulfill your purpose for me. That's, it's not hard. And then you ask him to, to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And so, and then you get baptized. You can come here and we have baptisms. You'll get baptized. That old life is buried with Christ. Goes under that water. You are buried with Christ and you are raised to walk in newness of life. That old past, those things you're ashamed of, those things you wish never happened, they're cut off. They're buried. And you're raised up to walk in a new life. It's a wonderful thing. I got baptized twice. I just wanted to make sure it took. <laughs> And so, during my very young days, I'm still young, but I was younger. Psalm 68, 11, and 12, and by the way, I have to say it, I will be young until the day I die at a very old age. I was telling that to my youngest yesterday. I said, you know, I'm, I might be bordering 70, but I'm still very young. I think young, and she got real quiet. I said, Courtney, I think young. Just because I pulled the bed back for your father does not make me old. <laughs> for some reason, my daughters think that is ridiculous. But the truth is, I don't want them to mess up my bedding. And so, I, right? How many of you feel the same way? You, have, you know how you like things, right? Yeah. So I was very young, and I was reading the Psalms, and I read Psalm 68, 11, and 12. The Lord gives the word of power. Now, this is a messianic scripture preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Lord gives the word of power. Now, I'm telling you, it's not the only time the Bible says the word is power. We're going to look at it. I mean, you just you need to stay with me, because I'm telling you, before we are finished, every cell of your being is going to ooze the word of God. I've seen it. He gives the word of power. And the women who bear and publish the news, what news? The gospel, the good news. Rick always says, if it's not good news, it's not the gospel. They are a great host or a great army. And look what happens when women proclaim the word of power. The kings of the enemy's army they flee, they flee. And she who tarries at home divides the spoil left behind. What is that saying? When God's army rises up and says what God says, not only do demon spirits flee, but the kings over them, you know demons have ranks and files. So do angels. Causes them to flee. And you know what happens when they flee? They leave the spoil. They leave your prosperity. They leave the health. They leave the chokehold and the stronghold. They leave it behind, and we gather those spoils. So I'm telling you today, we need to be like those lepers that were outside the camp of the enemy. And you know lepers were unclean, and they weren't allowed in, uh, within 10 feet 
of the public. But that camp, they didn't know what was going on in there. They just heard rumbling. And finally, one of the lepers stood up and he said, why do we sit here until we die? Let's go in and see what happened. And when they go in, all the enemy was gone and the spoils were there. And they gathered so many spoils that they sent word into town and they said, hey, come get it. There was too much even for them. But no, we just sit here and we moan and groan. When I went to my sister's house yesterday, as hard as it was to see her in her current condition, I'm telling you, I walked in and I said, I am here to engage the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it's easy to hang your head down, be sad, but I will not lose my power. I will not lose my power no matter what I see. This scripture is very significant to me because in my early days, I was getting a lot of invitations to go here and there and speak, and and I was doing it. And I'll never forget, and I had inquired of the Lord one night. I was getting ready to go out of town the next day, and I was laying with my youngest. And I was inquiring of the Lord, Lord, what do you want from me? What, what am I to do? This doesn't feel, feel right to me. I want to fulfill your purpose for me. And I'm just going to tell you, my heart is with the local church. I mean, I think conferences and organizations and all those things, are, they're great. They're fine. But my heart is with the local church. And I've been planted in this church since day one. If that tells you anything, I don't believe in church hopping. I just don't. Psalm 92 says that we, that we will flourish when we're planted in the house of the Lord. We flourish in the courts of our God. And this is where the Lord planted us. And so I inquired of the Lord, what do you want from me? And, and, and uh, in fact, Pam was with me. I don't remember who else was with us. But I know you were, and, and uh, I don't know if you remember this day. We were going to Victoria. That's where I met the demonized woman that tried to kill me. Yeah, that was a fun trip. <laughs> she hated me so much, and she came back to San Antonio and literally tried to kill me. And uh, Pam and a few others, we were in a room, and we were, you know, they were just rebuking it. And this little woman, I mean, she was about this big. And I think there were, how, were there three others of us or five? I don't remember. Three, and she literally took the three women and pinned them against the wall and she because they were trying to save my life and I was laughing so hard that I couldn't control myself I mean I was laughing so hard tears were running down my face and I'm thinking she wants to kill me and I'm laughing but Psalm 2 says God sits in the heaven he laughs at the enemy and one of our elders he was a tall guy about six foot four heard all the commotion he came in and pulled her off the women and set me free. So turns out this woman had a woman-hating spirit. And uh, she had had massive surgery, had all her female organs, and had all but, I'm not for sure how much of a colon you need to still live. I think, Didi, is it one inch? Do you even know? I think it's like there was a small amount. She'd had an ileostomy and a colostomy and all these ostomies. And and uh, she just had enough colon left to live. And she hated, hated women. And uh, hated women in any form of leadership. And so she had an assignment from the enemy to come. And, but guess what? I'm still alive. 
But, so I'm going on this trip to, to Victoria. Pam and two others were with me. And I remember the house we lived in had a very steep driveway. And I remember that my husband was standing out there. Courtney was a baby. He was holding Courtney. And Kelly and Katie were holding on to their daddy's leg. They had their arms wrapped around his leg. And they were waving at me as I backed out of the driveway. And, and I remember thinking, this, this doesn't feel right. This is not your plan for me. And I just, I made a decision. I, I asked the Lord. And I made a decision that I was going to be just planted in a local church. And I've kept that. And it's fine for people that are called to an itinerant ministry. I think that's great. It's great. That just wasn't the call of God on my life. But this is. She who tarries at home divides the spoil. And I'm telling you right now, if you're a mama with little babies and you think I don't have a purpose, you have a purpose. That baby's in your arms or in your belly or wherever. Or if, oh, my goodness, I'm getting old, I'm approaching 90, or I am in my 90s, you still have a purpose. If, if all you do is sit in a chair and intercede, I have one name to say to you, Anna in the Bible. That's all she did. This woman was old, and she stayed in the temple day and night and interceded for the birth of Jesus. And she knew she wasn't going until she birthed him in the spirit. And then she got to see him and, and touch him. So don't you dare think, I don't have a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. It's whether or not you say yes. And my purpose is to proclaim the word of God's power with those whom God has given me. So that's what we're going to be talking about. And so today, I don't know how far I'll get, but I do want to tell you this. I read a testimony of Oral Roberts. Many of you remember the late Oral Roberts and had a tremendous ministry. And anybody go to Oral Roberts University? And he did. You did? No, no, I didn't know that. I didn't go to school there, but I've been there. Okay, you've been there. <laughs> well, that counts. The minute you walked there, you were... Absolutely. I mean, he had great vision. And, but anyway, he, in, in the early days, Evelyn, his wife, they had small children. And uh, she came to him one day. She said, I can't do this anymore because he was never home. Never, 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 never. And he was called to an itinerant ministry, a traveling ministry, no doubt about it. And he uh, went away for three days. He prayed. She said, I can't do this anymore. I'm raising these children by myself. And, and I, I need you to be home more. He went away for three days, and the Lord spoke to him. And he said, Oral, I created the family before I created the church. I'm a family man. So I, I know one thing in this church. I know Rick Gogman puts his family first. I do know that with all my heart. And uh, he's a lot older than me, but not a lot. I'm just lying. He's... he's I think nine years. <laughs> anyway, but, he, but I've known him a long time with Cindy, and, and he's very devoted to his family. And I'm telling you, don't ever forget that God's a family man. And when people put anything before God and their family, you're out of order. And that includes your job and your hobbies and whatever it is you do. So in this season, I'm dedicating myself more than ever to immersing myself in the word of God. And today, this is what I want you to see. Jesus is the word. And the word is Jesus. 
If you can get that in you, your life will change. John 1, 11, or 1, excuse me, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, capital W. Capital W. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God himself. You know what that means? That everything you read in the Bible is Jesus. It contains the DNA of Christ. And over these next weeks, we're going to look at all of the benefits of soaking in the word of God and what it will do for you if you make it your priority. The word was God himself. He was present originally with God. Who was present? The word. All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him was not one thing made that has come into being. In him, in who? In the word was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has never overpowered the word. You got to see this. John 1, 11. He came, Jesus came to that which belonged to him, to his own, his domain, creation, things and world. And they were his, who were his own did not receive him and did not welcome him, did not welcome who? The word. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority, the power, the privilege, the right to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in his name, who owe their birth neither to blood nor the will of the flesh, nor to the will of man, that of a natural father, but to God. They are born of God. And the word Christ became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We beheld his glory. The glory of what? The word. You see, if you just think the Bible is about somebody, you're wrong. The Bible is not about somebody. The Bible is somebody. I mentioned my Aunt Juliet earlier, and when I was a rebellious college student, I remember one day she was trying to witness to me. I've told you about her. I mean, she, when she gave her heart to Christ, her husband of 25 years left her for her best friend. <laughs> I mean, with friends like that. And she was broken. She was so broken. It was after that that Jesus came to her and she met Jesus. She gave her heart to him and she served him with the rest of her life. And she would make us stand in the backyard before we would have, we had a lot of family functions in those days. And she made us all hold hands and shout, praise the Lord. And none of us were saved. And so she would say, if you think I'm loud, let me tell you. She had the loudest voice I've ever heard. And she was from, she was a Tar Hill. She was from North Carolina. And so she'd say with a Southern accent, and she would say, praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. And we were just, this woman is crazy. <laughs> and we would go, praise the Lord. <laughs> and we all looked at each other and rolled our eyes. And she said, I said, <laughs> praise the Lord. And until we were shouting it, she wouldn't quit. And so I learned to praise the Lord. 
even before I praise the Lord. So the word is the water of life, and, you know, people have managed to water it down. But I like to go back to journals, and, and I like to go back to the previous year. For instance, today is January 10th, 2023. So this morning I went back to January 10th, 2022, and to read what, you know, I had recorded and to keep myself sharp. And But in December, on December 14th, I read, okay, I don't want to get confused. We just had December 14th, 2022, so I went back to December 14th, 2021. And the entire journaling, there were pages, was on the power of the word. And I had all so much written down. And the benefits of soaking in the word and immersing in the word, marinating in the word. And that's when I heard the Holy Spirit say, you go back. You go back to the ancient path and soak in the word. I had other things planned, honestly. But the Lord is very faithful to change me. Revelation 19, these are such power-packed scriptures. The apostle John said, I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse appeared and the one who was riding it is called faithful and true and he passes judgment and wages war and righteousness and his eyes, try to see this in your spirit, his eyes blaze like a flame of fire. And on his head are many kingly crowns. And he has a title inscribed, which he alone knows or understands. And here you go. And he is dressed in a robe dyed by dipping in blood. And the title by which he is called is the word of God. He is the word of God. And the troops of heaven, clothed in fine linen, dazzling and clean, followed him on white horses. And from his mouth goes forth a sharp sword with which he can smite the nations. And he will shepherd and control them with a staff of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath and indignation of God, the all-ruler, the almighty, the omnipotent. And on his garment and on his thigh he has a name inscribed, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. He has a title. His title is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is God. He is God. The Word is God. God is the Word. Jesus is the Word. I can't stress that to you enough. And until that ignites fire in your belly, you don't get it. And so I want to encourage you to take these scriptures and to go home to meditate on them. There's only one thing the devil wants. He wants your faith. That's what he wants. Why? Hebrews 11, 6, for without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But I, you know, I, I don't understand it. I know the word. I just don't get it. I just feel far from the word. You are violating the scripture. Romans 10 says, don't say who's going to go to heaven to bring it down. Who's going to go to the abyss to bring Christ, the word up from the dead? What does it say? The word is near you. The word is on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. 
Because if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from dead, you will be sozoed, saved, rescued, delivered, made whole. For with the heart, a man believes and is justified, just if, as if I'd never sinned. With the mouth, he confesses. And the scripture says, no one who believes in him, I love this, will ever be put to shame or disappointed. I've had people say, I'm afraid to believe. Why? Well, because if it doesn't happen, my children won't serve God. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think. That's exactly what he wants. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. And I will not stop believing. I had a, a sometime over the holidays, I don't remember. And oh my goodness, I meant to bring it. But, but I'll try to remember next week. I was just having doubts assail me. And, and anybody in here never have doubts? I'm, I'd like to touch you. I'd like to touch the hem of your garment. I wasn't yielding to them, but, I, but these doubts were assailing me. And so it's funny because, I mean, the Lord will sing to me a lot. And the Bible confirms that. Zephaniah, it says he will, he'll rejoice over you with song. And in Psalm 32, it says he will shout songs of deliverance over you. And so he'll sing to me a lot, and he'll sing to me songs that I don't typically listen to. And if it's a secular song, it has to be old, because I just don't listen to secular, current secular music. I do listen to some of the old big band things, because it reminds me of my dad. I grew up with Frank and Andy Williams and Dean Martin, and, and some of you are going, who are you talking about? And, but anyway, so I, I was walking in my closet and I started hearing, I think it's by Journey, that song, Don't Stop Believing. You know that song? And I was just hearing it. I don't even know the words. I just know that, you know, don't stop believing. And I practiced singing it to you, but it didn't work. <laughs> so, and so then I went, it was a cold day. And so I went to get some tights or hose or whatever they're called now. I'm sure they have a different name. Every, every, that song, Everything's Changing Well. And so I went to get hose, tights, whatever. And I, I pulled out uh, the cardboard, you know, that they come in, and it was Spanx. And, I mean, the hose were in the Spanx. And you know how it has a cardboard insert and the hose or tights are wrapped around it and I have to bring it to you to show you what it says but here I'm hearing don't stop believing and this thing in bright red letters it said something to the effect is don't take no for an answer I went all right I get it I get it but the devil wants your faith He'll do anything he can, circumstance, things you see, to, to try to steal your belief in the Word of God. Now, here's what I want to say to you, because this is really important. For many years now, I mean, I've served the Lord for, if I was 20, somebody do the math. If I was 20 and I'm almost 70, is that 50 years? Is that 50 years? 50 years. That's longer than a lot of you are old. And so I'm just telling you, the older the believer who walks with the Lord, the more you should listen. 
Because I don't care how techy you are. I don't care how sharp you are. I don't care how pretty you are. I don't care how talented you are. There is no match for experience. No match. None. The older need the younger, and the younger need the older. God is a generational God. And if you don't know that, you don't know him. That's all there is to it. Every Mary has an Elizabeth. Every Ruth has a Naomi. You better know who yours is. And so, why was I telling you that? Because I had a reason. It was an important reason. Oh, yeah. In 50 years, I have heard people all the time say to me, I have faith. I'm believing God. I have faith. And I go, well, really? Well, give me what scripture you're standing on. Um, um, I have faith. Well, you have faith in your faith. Or you have faith in your circumstance. Or you have faith in your hype. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. Period. But what about testimonies? Well, that gives you great hope. It calls you on. It encourages you to fight the good fight. But the only way you get faith is through the word of God, who is Jesus. Why does Romans, or excuse me, Hebrews 12 say that Jesus, the word, is the author and the finisher of our faith? The apostle Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What does that mean? It wasn't even his faith. It was the faith of the Son of God. How can you have faith if you're not living in the Word of God? Now, as these weeks go on, you're going to get excited, and, and I will be ministering exactly what the Word says you are and what, he, what the Word says you have, whether you have it manifested yet or not. 1 John 1, love this, 1 through 5. We are writing about the Word of Life, the capital, capital Word of Life. In him who existed from the beginning, whom we've heard and seen with our own eyes, and we have gazed upon for ourselves, and we have touched with our own hands. We've touched the word. And the life, capital L, the life was revealed, made manifest and demonstrated, and we saw and are testified to and declare to you the life, the life, capital L, in him, who already existed with the Father, who actually was made visible and revealed to us his followers. What we have seen and heard, we're telling you, so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship with, with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And he's the Word. And so now we're writing these things to you so that our joy may be full. And this is the message of promise which we've heard from him and are now reporting to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. What does Psalm 119 say? We're going to look a lot at Psalm 19 over the coming weeks. In Psalm 19, it says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. In the 66 books, the Bible that is our light and our lamp. It's our answer. It's the word of life. It's the word of power. Jesus is the word. 
He has a title engraved, the Word of God. Start treating it. You know, it's such a bad habit, and I have to break myself of it. You'll see a scripture, and you go, I know that. Oh, I know that scripture. Do you know that scripture? I have to make myself stop and read every word and realize I am reading life. John 17, 17, before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the word. Your word is truth. I am the way, the truth, or the word, and I am the life. I was uh, in this little period that I was struggling I asked the Lord this question, and I wonder how many of you have ever asked the Lord. I want to see your hands. Lord, did I hear you? How many of you have ever, Lord, did I hear you? Because what I see is not what I believe. Did, do, did I hear you? And I was asking the Lord that. I was sitting in my prayer chair. And I heard. I didn't know where it was. I had to find it. But this is what I heard. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you know the truth. I write to you not because you are ignorant and do not know the truth. The truth is the word, remember? But because you do know the truth and you know that nothing false, no deception, and no lie is of the truth. How powerful is that? When you have the word of God to back what you believe, no lie is of the truth. And I hear so many people that I'm believing for, I'm believing for. And when I ask them, what are you standing on? They can't tell me. You're standing on sand. And Jesus said, when the storm comes, if your house is built on sand, your house will fall. Because guess what storms come to do? They come to beat you up. They come to beat you up. If you don't believe that, next time we have a Texas storm, go out in it. When I was very, very young, very, 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 very young, I was standing in the shower one day, and I had so many struggles. I had so, so, so many struggles. I mean, I struggled with comparing myself with other women. Don't look at me like you've never done that. I don't do that anymore. I really don't. I'm comfortable in my own skin, even the lines. Yeah, the other night, this, this was supposed to be a compliment, but, but Randy got the look. <laughs> and I'm very careful about chemicals. I am, because, you know, your skin is your biggest organ, in case you don't know that. And so we take all of these lotions and creams and this and that, and smear it all over the biggest organ in our body, and they're full of, of harmful chemicals. And so there was this big advertisement on, on the television, and uh, they had people my age and older, and, and y you know that as you, you know, gain some years, you lose some elastin and collagen and what all that is, and... And so your skin gets crepey. And in my opinion is I earned it. And if you don't like it, too bad. This is South Texas. It's hot. I'm going to wear sleeveless. 
That's how I feel. And so there was this advertisement for a product that's full of chemicals, and they showed this was before, and look at it now. And Randy looks at me. <laughs> you know the rest, right? He goes, honey, look. So I just gave him the look. And he goes, oh. Did I say something? I'll leave it at that. I mean, seriously, I shouldn't have told you that because now I'm mad. <laughs> All right, where am I? Oh yeah, I was, I was in the shower back when I was in my 20s. And, and, but I was praying, Lord, I, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be comparing. I don't want to feel insecure. I don't want to wear a coat of rejection. And I'm just, just pouring my heart out. And, and I remember, I'm a 20-something-year-old, and I said to the Lord, I'll never forget, I can still see that day. I said, Lord, if I could ask you for only one thing, I would ask you for a pure heart. Because I'm so tired of struggling. And I heard, and I mean I heard, it was almost an audible voice. But the word is alive because the word is Jesus. I heard Hebrews 4.12. For the word that God speaks is alive and it's full of power, making it active, operative, energizing. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. What did Jesus have coming out of his mouth? He had a sharp two-edged sword. And it is able, it penetrates to the dividing line of the breath of life and the immortal spirit and of your joints and your marrow of the deepest parts of your nature. And it exposes and sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of your heart. And when I heard that, I knew that the answer to every struggle was found in the word of God. That every motive of my heart that was not in line with love, the love of God, was found in the word of God. And that the sword, the scalpel, one of the translations say that the word, that it says that the word is a scalpel. I've got to find that. I need to remember to find that. But it's like a scalpel, like a surgeon's scalpel. It will go in and it will remove those things you're struggling with if you allow the word to be life to you. The entire temptation, remember Jesus was starving to death. He had fasted for 40 days, starving to death. And at his weakest point, the devil comes in. This is in Luke chapter 4. And he says, if you are the son of God, order this stone to turn into bread. Now, nothing tastes better when you're hungry than a hot, fresh loaf of bread. Can you imagine? And he had the power to do it. But Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word who is Christ. And in the Amplified, it says, but by every word and expression of God. And the devil took him to a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world, which remember he'd gotten from Adam because Adam committed high treason and he turned over the kingdoms to the devil. And he said to him, 
I'll give you all this power and authority and their glory, for it has been turned over to me by Adam. And I can give it to whoever I want. If you will worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then he took him to Jerusalem and he sent him on a high gable of the temple. He said to him, if you are the son of God. You know what? He still says that to you today. If you are a child of God, if you are, if, if God said this to you, if he said you're healed, if he said he will supply all your need, if he said shalom, if he did. You know, if is a very dangerous word in the mouth of the devil. Cast yourself down from here. Oh, and now the devil's going to try to turn the table for it is written. Oh, he caught on. It is written. Magic words. He will give his angels charge over you to guard you and watch over you and carefully. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Well, he left out something. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways of both service and obedience. He left out that little phrase. And Jesus replied to him, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every cycle of temptation, he left him until another more opportune and favorable time. And look what happened. Jesus went back full of and under the power of the Holy Spirit and the fame of him spread throughout all the region. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John 6, 63, it is a spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit whatsoever. The words, the truth I'm speaking to you are spirit and life. Why? Because the word is God. And then he gives us an order. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you get your mind renewed? By the word of God. If a little ignorant, insecure Pathetic, rejected, inadequate, inferior, 20-year-old college student who thought nothing of herself. You're dumb, you're ugly, you're unloved, you are a reject. And you are cloaked in shame. If that girl could take the living word of God and be totally transformed. Yes. Nobody else has any excuse. I came out of abuse before my father was born again. I came out of being sexually molested by two doctors of all people. And you know what? I'm whole. Nothing with going through therapy, but I'm just telling you right now, the Holy Spirit has names, and one of them is counselor. And he didn't charge me $200 an hour. But it's okay to get, I believe in godly counsel. I do. I really do. But he knew we didn't have that kind of money. And so he let the word be my counselor and the Holy Spirit be my teacher. And he has been to this day. Going to close with Revelation 1, 13 through 16. 
And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a robe which reached his feet and with the girdle of gold about his breast. His head and his hair were white like wool as snow. His eyes flashed like the flame of fire, and his feet glowed like burnished bronze, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth there came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full power at midday. Why are so many believers powerless? We're going to get strong this year. And our whole chosen is called power. And I am excited who I will be when I have the privilege to stand in the pulpit on that day. Because I know I won't be who I am now. I've made a new commitment to the Lord. I'm going back to the ancient paths. Don't tell me about your troubles. I have plenty of my own right now. I'm determined to keep my eyes on Jesus, the Word, the author, and the perfecter of my faith. Father, I just pray for everyone in my hearing that the resolve you've given to me through the power of the Holy Spirit would be in them. That we would know you as the word of God. That we would honor and value and uphold your word. And that the second blade on that sharp sword would come out of our mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.